This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hegestilianos. As a teaching pastor for more than 35 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. Having nothing whatsoever to do with your mental health, but everything to do with your spiritual health, the worldly cares you meditate on, and the thoughts you ponder, Pastor Ray's five-day series entitled, Don't Lose Your Mind, is truly unique. Because spiritual warfare is always fought in the mind, man needs to have the mind of Christ, thinking as Christ thinks and taking every negative or sinful thought captive. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The godly principles taught in this series will literally help revolutionize your thought process, forcing yourself to forget past failures and rejections, thinking only God thoughts, remembering only what is holy and good, ridding yourself of small worldly mentality and distractions, and focusing only on what God is saying. Remembering Pastor's warning that if we don't capture our thoughts, they will surely capture us. Doing it any other way but God's way is the sure way to lose your mind. You are definitely influenced by what you are listening to. You are definitely influenced by what you are watching. Whatever you give entrance to your life is, is, is affecting and that's why two weeks ago when we, we, we studied in Romans, is renew, re, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing. Get a fresh supply, the renewing of your mind. And that happens by the word of God. That happens by the word of God. That's why, listen, that's why I get on everybody's case about coming to church. Because I guarantee you right now, there are people home sitting home watching sitcoms that could be in church tonight. There's no reason for them not to be here tonight. The only reason is lack of self-discipline, laziness, and carnal thinking. The spiritual mind says, I'm going to go to church and praise God. Spiritual mind says, I'm going to go get a fresh supply of the word tonight from my pastor. Uh, uh, Spiritual mind says, I'm going to go and fellowship with the saints tonight. Now, we understand there are some people that have young children and jobs that prevent them from coming. I'm not talking about that group. I'm talking about someone who could be here, has no excuse not to be here, but is home watching television. American Idol isn't going to save you. American Idol isn't going to help you. American Idol, uh, no sitcom, none of this stuff is going to hit. All it's going to do is, is screw up your thinking, get you carnally minded, thinking like the world. And this is one of the things that I see in, in a lot of Christians around me. They're no better than the world. They love God. They believe in Jesus. They're going to heaven, I think. I mean, so far it looks that way. But if they keep on this carnal trend that they're, they're, they're moving in, there's a chance that that might not even happen. You have to understand what you're protecting. It's not like, see everybody, well, this is bondage. We can't listen to, to this and we can't watch that. And that's not what I'm saying. You're missing the whole point. You can do whatever you want to do. You're free in Christ. You can do whatever you want to do. But remember what Paul says. He says, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. You can do whatever you want to do, but not not everything is permissible. (laughs) There's no bondage. There's no legalism here. 
we've gotten past all of that stuff. I hope you've gotten past all of that. There's no legalism. Maybe you came from a church. Don't do this. Don't go to the movies. Don't do that. Listen, go to all the movies you want, but make sure they do not pollute your brain and your thinking, and they don't swerve you from thinking faith and trust in God and belief and love and forgiveness and get you thinking something else. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial, as Paul said. Not everything is beneficial. Why? Because it it has the potential to pollute your spirit, to pollute your brain. For as a man thinks, so is he. So the very thoughts that you are thinking are creating your life. That's why you've got to keep your mind filled with the word of God, filled with faith. That's why, that's why I say every day you ought to get make good confession. Why do you think we make a good confession before we preach? Some of you think I picked it up from somebody else. No, I didn't pick it up from somebody else. We've been making good confessions like this for years and years and years before we, we, we do our service. I didn't just see somebody on TV doing say, that's a good idea. I think I'll do the same thing. No, I believe in good confession. I believe that people come to church all disjointed and discombobulated in the brain and disconnected. And, and, and we need to get everybody focused on, this is my Bible. This is the word of God. It is food for my faith and nourishment for my soul. It's healing for my body. Before I open up the holy word of God, I want to make sure you know what we're doing. I want to make sure that you, you've, you've confessed out of your brain any garbage you brought in. Because I don't know what you were watching last night. I don't know where you were hanging out this afternoon. I don't know who, who vomited on you today with their doubt and unbelief and, and, and all, you know, all that sour stuff that the world wants to put on you. I don't know where you've been. We got to get some good confession to get our brains straight so that our hearts can be ready to receive the word of God. So when the seed falls, it falls on a fertile heart. Come on. You've got to see that connection. We don't have time to get into that, but the, the heart and head connection is so important. For as a man thinks... So is he now? Now, if you if, if you've been if you've been uh, assaulted in your thinking by the enemy or just by people or circumstances, then you've got to get hold of that thing. You've got to shake the dust off. You've got to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You've got to look yourself in the mirror. You've got to begin to say things like, I can do all things. I don't care how many rejection letters I've gotten from the bank or from an employer or from whatever people you know you get you all get rejection letters from the bank you all get rejection letters from you know a job that you want you should see all the rejection letters i get from people <laughs> love you pastor you're wonderful but goodbye you helped change my life. I've never been so good as I've been in church with you. I've learned so many great things, but God is sending me off somewhere into the wild blue yonder, rejection after rejection after rejection. That'll rack your brain. If you get carnal over that stuff, you start thinking, oh my God, oh my God, everybody's leaving me. Nobody can stay with me. You've got to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm anointed of God. I've got a purpose. God's got a future for me. I'm anointed by God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. That's putting on the mind of Christ. That's girding yourself up. As we saw a couple weeks ago, it says, uh, uh, 
be sober and vigilant. Watch your mind. That's the battleground. That's where the enemy wants to fight and wants to win. Try to pull the rug right out from under you. Is anybody getting anything out of this? So for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So be very, very careful what you think. Let's just go over these verses. I want to finish this up and then we'll go home. But here in Philippians, go to Philippians chapter 4. Well, chapter 3. Let's start in chapter 3 and then we'll read right through and and we'll finish up this series. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17, let's just read through this. Paul writing to the Philippians says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern or an example. Now, I don't have time to get into this, but note, it'd be interesting for you to note how many times Paul throughout the New Testament and other writers in the New Testament encourage us to follow people who are already walking a certain way, a a, a way of faith and a way of uh, faithfulness in God and consistency and, 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 you know, courageousness. And Paul again is saying here, um, follow us because you have us as a pattern. And it says, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. And look at what he says, who set their mind on earthly things. You know, this just keeps telling me over and over again that if we're going to be spiritually minded, we have to take the authority to set our mind on spiritual things. You choose every day whether to think spiritually or to think carnally. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you what, uh, the influence that you have in your life is going to be the determining factor as to whether you're going to be thinking spiritually or thinking carnally. If you're around spiritual people, if you have friends that, that are, are encouraging and lift you and speak the word of God to you and tell you you can, then you're going to be spiritually minded. You're going to stay in the spirit. But if you have people who are carnally minded and really probably more jealous of you because of your spiritual condition, because they see you spiritually strong, they want to try to bring you down. So they're going to start talking carnal to you. They're going to start, you know, feeding you with doubt and nudging you to do things that are sinful or hateful or or whatever it be. Anybody been around people like that? I had an experience like that when I was in the world. And, and it taught me a lesson way back then. I, I was, I had been saved, but I lost my, I came out of uh, serving God for a while. I walked away from the Lord is what I want to say. And I went into the world. And at the time I was smoking, I used to smoke cigarettes. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> but I quit when I was 21. That's a long time ago. And I can remember, you know, I had a group of friends and, and I was one in the group that tried to quit smoking. I just knew this was bad and I didn't want to do it and I quit smoking. And uh, I was in the car and it was one of the, one of the girls that we hung out with in this group. And uh, I was in, we were driving alone one day, uh, coming from somewhere and she lit up a cigarette. She says, here, you want a cigarette? I says, no, you know I quit smoking. Ah, oh, come on, take a toke out of the cigarette. Says, no, you know I quit smoking. Oh, come on, just, I mean, trying to nudge me to start smoking again. You've got to be careful of that stuff. There are people around you that are trying to nudge you to do things that are not good for you, things that you've already gotten victory over or things that you've said, I'm not doing that. Maybe there's been a a, a issue or a situation among friends and, and, you know, maybe there's some, some ill feelings 
and you've determined that you're not going to go that way, that you're just going to love that person and overlook that thing, and the friends around you are nudging you on, you know, by the little innuendos and the little things and the little raising of the eyebrow, trying to get you hooked into their, you know, their poison. You got to be careful. You have to set your mind to do what you know is right. You have to set your mind on spiritual things and keep it set there. You've got to purpose to keep the mind of Christ. Every day I've got to do that. Every day I wake up and, and it seems like it, you know, it's a certain, certain places or certain times of the day, certain things want to come up. And I, I say this still to this day. You know, I think about some past things and things that people did. And to this day, if, if any one of those faces flash before my, my face or my, my mind, I say, oh, right there, Psst. I purpose right now to forgive those. I have forgiven them. I have let them go. I hold nothing against anybody. I forgive them, Father, and forgive me for even entertaining that thought for one second. That's how you keep the mind of Christ. Otherwise, you're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose your mind. Right? So here in Philippians, he says, who set their mind on earthly things. And here again, verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Unfortunately, we're going to have to do this battle. We're going to have to fight this battle. We're going to have to just, you know, you know, have these this wrangle with our brain because we are not glorified yet. There is a day coming. There is a time coming when our bodies will be transformed like his glorious body and we will never ever have a mental warfare ever again. But until that day, we have to endure. Another one of the teachings we've been doing, endure, come on. Endure hardship like a good soldier of Christ, as Timothy said, as Paul says in the book of Timothy, right? So, so he says, uh, go over to verse number six in chapter four. He said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for what? Where does anxiousness begin? In the mind. When you're anxious, you've lost your mind. <laughs> Thank you for that laugh. You're all supposed to laugh when I say that. I thought it was very funny. I thought it was very unique. <laughs> I'm sorry. Be anxious for nothing. Where does anxiousness begin? In the mind. Don't lose your mind. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. What am I supposed to do when anxious thoughts come? Pray. And supplication, the difference between prayer and supplication is prayer is the lifting up of requests supplicating is a much more intense type of prayer supplicating you know gets into you know laboring this laboring in prayer till the burden is released that's just a, a very quick overview of what suppl uh, supplication is and uh, we all pray certain things you pray you know pray for this one pray for that one. but sometimes you get a real strong burden for something and you pray, supplicating is praying, intensely focused on that thing. Sometimes you even add a little fast with it Amen. Amen. until you get the breakthrough, or until you're released in the spirit. That's the difference between prayer and supplication. So prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, what are you supposed to do? Give thanks. Are you supposed to thank God for everything? 
Uh, 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 don't answer that too quickly. Uh, listen to what I'm saying. Are you supposed to thank God for everything? No. Because Thessalonians teaches us to thank God in all things. In other words, not everything that's coming your way comes from God. So we don't say, well, thank you for this cancer, Lord. Because God doesn't have any cancer and he doesn't give it to you. So you don't thank God for everything. You thank God in everything. I thank you, Lord. Even in this condition I'm in, I may be battling this warfare in my body. I thank you anyway, and I choose to worship you, and I think choose to praise you, and I choose to offer up thanksgiving to you. I know this is not of you, and I know you have a plan to set me free from this. And by the words of my mouth and by the confession of my mouth, I now take authority over this thing and break it in Jesus' name. In other words, you don't thank God when the time is go- times are good and then fault God and be angry with God when times are not good. Thank God in all things, not for all things. Big difference. So be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So freely pray about the issues that concern you. And don't stop praying. If, if prayer is not enough, then supplicate, right? Get more intense fast stay on your face for an hour take a day off from work and just stay home and pray now you can't live that way but sometimes you have to supplicate sometimes you have to put that intense focus on prayer is everybody with me right this is how you're going to keep your mind you're not going to lose your mind and it says with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and then verse 7 says and the peace of god notice the peace doesn't come until you take control of your anxious thoughts pray supplicate if necessary, offer thanksgiving to God, then the peace of God comes upon you. But the peace won't come until you do that first. I've heard people pray that, oh God, let the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, come upon my sister. No, my sister isn't praying. She's not taking charge of her anxious thoughts. She hasn't put anything into motion yet. How's the peace going to come? Amen? You have to see how much we are in control here, folks. So he says, uh, then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now listen, this is the part I want to just hit on just for a minute. Verse 8, finally, brethren, I call these patterns of thought. This is what you should measure your thinking process up against. If you're not thinking like this verse right here, then you're thinking all wrong. And you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind of Christ. And you're, you're probably thinking very carnally right now because you've lost hold of the pattern of thinking that God has already set into motion. God is already telling you how to think by this verse. God is already telling you what to think. You mean think this when things are going really good? Yeah. You mean think this when things are, really, are going really bad? Uh-huh. Think this when I get good report? Mm-hmm. Think this when I get a bad report? Uh-huh. As a matter of fact, when you have the bad report, you have to think this even more. Think like these verses right here. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things of our our good report. In other words, when you get a bad report, you're supposed to be thinking good report. Anybody getting this or am I the only one that's getting this? You're awfully quiet out there. 
whatever things of our good report, if there is any virtue and if there be anything praiseworthy, listen, meditate on these things. What's true? God's word is true. Purity, lovely. Is thinking thoughts of anger lovely? Are thinking thoughts of hatred lovely? Are thinking thoughts of fear, is that lovely? Is that, is that noble? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it, is it a good report? Is it praiseworthy, fear and unbelief? No, well, that's why we're not supposed to think like that. And when we think that way, we've lost our mind. But when we think this way, and then taking into, into account the verse we looked at a couple of weeks ago, taking every thought captive and making it, forcing it into the obedience of Christ. In other words, if you use that verse with this, these verses right here or this verse right here, if the thought isn't true, if it isn't noble, if it isn't just, if it isn't pure, if it isn't lovely, if it isn't of a good report, if there isn't any virtue in it, and if there isn't anything praiseworthy about it, then I need to take those thoughts that are contrary to what Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 say and force it into the obedience of Christ. Take those thoughts that are contrary to this and force these thoughts into my thinking. There was a time when people said things about me that were not true. And it could make you mad and make you angry. And you start thinking all kinds of bad thoughts about people. I had to go back to the word and say, that's not true. Why am I even thinking about that? God told me not to think anything that wasn't true. That's not true. So why am I thinking? Why am I allowing that to affect my thinking? That's why I think on a daily basis or on a regular basis, we have to take our thinking and measure it up to the measuring stick of Philippians 4, verse 8. Maybe I ought to preach this on a Sunday morning when you're, a little, when you're alive. Come on, somebody. Think on these things. Meditate. It doesn't even say to think. It goes for Meditate. <laughs> you know what? Meditate. Mutter. In, intense thinking. Chew. Keep chewing on it. Sort of like a cow chews on the cud. You know what a cow does? It's disgusting. You know how they eat? They get the straw and they chew and they chew and they chew and they chew and then they swallow it and they regurgitate it and they chew it some more and some more. That's what you have to do with the word of God. Meditate on these things. I am a, I can do. It will be. I can have. I will go. I will accomplish. I will, I will have my health. I will live long and strong. Why? This is all from the word of God. You've got to find those verses and begin to attach that into your thinking and into your, to your voice, into your speaking. And that's how you keep your mind. Otherwise, you're going to lose your mind. And if you lose your mind, it's your own fault that you lost your mind. Let me just say the way you lost your mind because you lost your mind because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't take charge of it. You didn't, you didn't go back to the word of God and measure it up to Philippians 4, 8 and all these other verses and really begin to take, take charge for as a man thinketh in his heart. So is he? So, so use Philippians 4, 8 as your measuring rod and your measuring stick for the thoughts that you're thinking. Anything contrary to that, force it out and do what, uh, what that verse in Corinthians, uh, I think it's Corinthians taking every thought captive and forcing it, making it obedient to Christ. Can somebody give me a better amen than that? 
Tune in again Monday afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors. If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. Before we go, here's a final word from Pastor Ray. Hello, this is Pastor Ray. I wanted to take a moment from today's broadcast to tell you about a brand new book I've written that's just become available for purchase entitled Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise. I wrote this book because of after more than 37 years of pastoring, I see too many Christians, both newly saved and those mature in their walk with God, fall victim to a device of the enemy that he has been using against God's people ever since the beginning of time. It's simply a threefold plan of discouragement, doubt, and compromise. I know this material will be a tremendous blessing to you in encouraging and stimulating your faith and helping you to truly be more than a conqueror. Why not go to my website right now and order your copy, Pastor Ray? ny.com. Why not order a copy for a friend as well? That's pastorayny.com.